When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today we welcome Gina Clark to TutorsDynasty.com. Hello, Gina. Hello. Gina. <laughs> All the way England. Yay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. You know, we see your wonderful tutor creations on your Facebook page. And why don't you tell everybody exactly how it's pronounced? It's Tudor Dreams Historical Costumier. Perfect. And you know what? When we go and we go to your Facebook page and we see these beautiful dresses, it kind of transports our minds back to the days like when women like Anne Boleyn graced the gardens at Hampton Court Palace. And your work is just so magnificent. And I applaud you. You do magnificent work. That's so very kind. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be applauded for doing something that brings you so much joy. Yeah. You know, I can, I totally agree with you because that's something that, you know, when people say that they like my website as well, I feel overwhelmed. Like, this is just something that I do for fun. Do you feel the same way? Well, yeah, because, I mean, I get very, very limited time to sew. I mean, I've always had a love and passion for history, and I took history. My, my dissertation at university was on the Tudor dynasty, so there we are. We've got something in common, the name. Um, the Tudor dynasty was what I did for my dissertation, and I passed with honours because I, I loved it. I've also always had a passion for sewing. I'm, um, example, when I was six years old, my grandmother bought me a little pretend sewing machine. It did sew, but very, very badly. Um, it was made of plastic. And I remember cutting up one of her best Egyptian cotton sheets to make a dress. And she found out, and I was severely reprimanded and sent to bed with no tea. And, um, yeah, so sewing and the his- love of history, well, it, it's a natural progression that I would end up in the future sewing things historical, which is what happened. Oh, that's that's a great story. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I looked at your website one time, and it said that you've been commissioned to make fabulous historical costumes for film, TV dramas, yeah. and historical documentaries. Are there any that we would know? Um, there's a lot that you will have seen, but because I make costumes on my own I don't have anyone working for me because I do it purely as a hobby which is I mean fabulous I think if I was doing it as a job of work then it becomes obligatory and then you wouldn't be able to put the love into what you make and bear in mind it takes me about 12 weeks to make a dress oh wow that's a lot of weeks and there's only 52 weeks in a year. So if I was making garments, say, as a, a job of work, I would surely starve to death. <laughs> Which, you know, so what I do make, I put all my love in it. And I only get a very small time span to sew because I have a little boy, little heart, who you've probably seen on my page. Mm-hmm. Um, he's eight years old now. And Little Heart has autism. 
So for the majority of hours in the day, whilst Little Heart is awake, Mummy's on call 24-7. And he only sleeps a very short amount of time. And that's my repast, my, my mummy time. And that's what I will sew. So when he's asleep, I'll sew. And then when he goes to school the next day, I'll have a few hours sleep myself. But, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Seriously, I mean, he is a gift from God. I'm the luckiest girl in the world. And also, every time I make one of my gowns, it's like making a new baby, you know, because the end result is magnificent, you know. And they're all, they say a mother knows her own child best. I can pick my gowns out on films, um, you know, adaptations on the television, on theatre. I know which is my dress just by looking at it. You, you just know, because it's got your stamp all over mm-hmm. it, and mine goes, love, 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 because it's been made with love, literally. Oh, they are absolutely stunning. Every time I look at them, I want to put one on. <laughs> oh, sweetheart, well, you get over here and let's do it. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. I cannot. My husband and I keep talking about coming over there. and oh, it's got come. We really want to. He's a photographer, so for him, he would love to be able to take pictures of all the buildings. You've got to come over. Bring, bring, bring your son over. Bring your husband and come and stay here. We've got loads of room. We're working on it. We really are. Listen, just do it. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my next question for you, Gina, is going to be, what was your first Tudor gown and what inspired you to make it? My first Tudor gown, I was um, actually... I I lived in a huge stately home in the middle of Shropshire Um, that's where I was and so I've always been surrounded by beautiful antiquities and and the stately home I I lived in um, was Jacobean it was very early and there were some very early Tudor parts to that house as well so I was always surrounded by beautiful Tudor furniture and a huge house and had everything that you could ever possibly want and horses and I started to do what they call concourse d'elegance which is riding in costume now I needed a costume that I could ride in for the competition and I I know Tudor historical riding habits are not really historical because the ladies didn't really um, ride in those days in habit in the early Tudor period but I thought you know what I'm going to make a Tudor riding habit and I did and I won so I was absolutely I mean you know this costume took me like six months to make it all hand sewn and all the rest of it Um, and I made a a beautiful hat to go on the side of the head with the plume it actually looked more Elizabethan than Tudor but you know I thought well they're not going to know and they didn't which was great I just said it's it's a Tudor riding habit and Wardle who was my horse at the time and myself we stormed we stormed the competition we won the rosette 
and I thought, yeah, you know what, I had great fun making that costume. Um, and I'd also done an apprenticeship when I was a lot younger, I think I was about 16, did an apprenticeship with uh, the Simplicity people who make the patterns and helped devise the historical patterns as well, which was really fantastic. Um, and a great crowd of girls, all very knowledgeable. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a case of you just, if you want to do something, which is what I wanted to do, I wanted to sew, I wanted to make beautiful historical costumes. You see them on, on the films, on, on sort of um, Out of a Thousand Days. That, that, for me, I'd grown up with that film. That was like the epitome <laughs> of... of Anne Boleyn-ness, if you want to call it, you know, anyone who likes Anne Boleyn loves um, Genevieve. She she is, in my book, um, Anne Boleyn, and Natalie Dormer, I mean, she was fabulous as well, come on, I mean, give the girl a medal, she was amazing, and got so many interested, so, you know, that's basically, you know, why I wanted to create costumes because I wanted to put over my interpretation of what ladies wore in those days, right. you know? And so you just sit down, you, you, I mean, personally, I'll look at a portrait, study the portrait, study how the dress is, is cut to line, you know, always that shape, so it's, you know, you've got to do this kind of a seam in it, or this type of shape you need, so it's all trial and error, you know, but eventually, if you keep persevering, which I have, then you do come up with the with the right shape in the long run. It may take ages, but you will get there, you know. And I think I have actually, I have got where I want to be now with the majority of the gowns, you know, with the shape and how they look. I love dressing ladies. I love to make them look magnificent, you know. Yeah, the, the bodices may be a little tight on some of them and the legs may turn blue, but they will look fabulous. <laughs> the price of fashion. <laughs> well, I've seen that you've done quite a few, I think, of Henry VIII's queens, have you not? Yes, well, I'm actually putting on this huge exhibition that's going to be at, in Peterborough Cathedral. We're having a taster exhibition on the 5th of August, and so there's going to be some costumes there. That's for the Mary Queen of Scots banquet. <laughs> so we're going to have some Tudor costumes there. Obviously, the, um, the Tudors, which is my Tudor group, will be there, but not as Tudors this time, believe it or not. I will be playing Mary Queen of Scots, <laughs> and the gentleman who plays the king in my group... Um, will be playing Dudley. So um, that's going to be uh, quite a thing. I've got the four Marys who are my ladies in waiting. Oh, so that's going to, it's going to be fantastic. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. And then the main exhibition is going to be next year. Um, for the month from October, um, September to October. So it's going to be running for a month. In the interim, I think we are going to be doing another exhibition at Barclay Castle. So if you're anywhere near Barclay Castle, everybody, you know, I'll let you know when and please come over and say hello, you know, which is going to be great. I so wish I could come over there and see all these wonderful things. I don't things. know why you don't come in the summer holidays. Just get over here. How about Seriously. I, I just want to move. I'm going to move there. 
Are you? I would love to. Oh my gosh. I think I would be in heaven living there. Oh God. You, I mean, England is the most magnificent country. It's the most welcoming, the most historical. Honestly, in every city in, in England, there is historical buildings that would make your mouth water seriously it's, it's just amazing i love i love this country for for the historical content you know it's um if it, if the historical content were food i would weigh about 25 stone <laughs> but i'd want to absorb all of it <laughs> and i think that's how i would be if i would go for a visit there it would take me eight years just to see and experience everything that i'd want to experience it's amazing Honestly, it is amazing. I mean, I've been doing um, the rounds with, with these beautiful buildings for, oh God, years and years and years. And um, you just, even when you've been there and you go again and you'll go again, and every time you go, say Hampton Court, for instance, every time you go, you see something different. Seriously. It's something you didn't pick up the first 20 times you went, you know? It's just amazing. And you can never get tired. Anyone who's got a passion, like we have, for all things historical, you never, ever... It's never enough. It's an addiction. Mm-hmm. And one that I will never, ever want to, want to give up. This is an addiction I want to have for the rest of my life. Me too. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. That, that brings me joy. Well, you know, some of the other questions that I have when it comes to the gowns, I have a lot of people on my Facebook page who will ask right. me questions and I don't know how to answer them. Right. One of the questions. Um, how heavy is the gown? Yeah. The, and specifically the trains, you know, was how heavy was the gowns and were the trains detachable? Um, no, the trains weren't detachable. The sleeves were detachable. Are your gowns available to buy? <sighs> Very, yeah, they are. I mean, I do do the odd one, um, but the fabrics I use are very, very expensive fabrics. They're not cheap fabrics. Um, and post to America costs an absolute fortune. It, honestly, it's so ridiculous. I've had people, bless them, ring me and say, Gina, could you make me a dress? And I'll say, I would love to make you a dress, but it's going to take a quarter of a year. It's going to take four months. And then you've got postage on top. And the postage is something we... I mean, I think the last time... I posted something, it was 170-something pound, English pound post. So I will say to people now, if they ring me, you know what, it's probably better if you buy from America because it's going to be a lot cheaper in the long run, you know, because these dresses, some of them weigh between 15 and 20 pounds in weight. Wow. That's a lot of weight. Yes. You know? So, and it's, it's just not a viable thing. Uh, one of the other questions that I get a lot on the Facebook page is how did they clean the Tudor gowns since they would get mud and dirt and... The best way, I mean, people used to say, you know, full as earth. They used to use full as earth to clean the gowns and that's all, all sand furried up. I think 
with the fabrics they use are very very heavy fabrics um if they did get mud on the gowns which they probably did i think the best thing as we do now let the mud dry brush it off and with the, the fabrics if they are a really good quality fabric they can they can coat with a quite a bit of an amount of brushing to get off the excess mud and what have you stains you would just either sponge them or submerge where they were very very dirty um i don't think that they did a lot of walking in muddy areas you know like when, when we go out we're walking around castles and sometimes it's raining and what have you i don't think that nobles and royalty would have done that anyway they would have tried to stay out of the um the elements so okay. to speak they certainly wouldn't want some sunshine they wouldn't want to get tanned or anything and it goes when it's raining as well they wouldn't want to get covered in in mud and what have you so i really don't think that they'd have had a, a lot of problem i think um as far as perspiring is concerned because you know they are very warm these gowns and if it is a warm day then you do tend to perspire they used to wear what they call the shift and it was made of very fine cotton or linen and they'd wear something like this underneath oh sure just the white gown yeah okay. like a little white gown and that used to wick away the perspiration from your body and keep your, your gown clean from any kind of um, stains or odors, so they were a really good idea. Um, so yeah, so I mean, it's basically the washing of the gown. Just it was let 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 the mud dry, brush the mud off, and then very carefully, if it was very delicate fabric or if it was. Um, uh, uh, velvet or whatever just very gently clean with a, a damp cloth or submerge and, and dry you know hang to dry and let it dry in, in the fresh air you know so uh, not really a lot different from what you do today I mean that's what we tend to do with our gowns if they if they get if they get dirty so did they have perfume Gosh, yeah, they had per they had everything. I mean, it, it really knocks me when when people say about the Jew. Oh, they didn't wear cosmetics. And that please, they've been you know people have been wearing paints on their faces since prehistoric times. You're not telling me that they go and get to the 16th century and then all of a sudden have this brain sort of brainwashing that oh we're not going to wear underwear <laughs> we're not going to wear any type of you know makeup on the faces or, or what have you look at the portraits that have been painted you know i mean it it stands to reason that that people did try to make themselves look better they wore perfumed oils not perfume as we know this day and age but they would wear perfumed oils um, and perfumes that were made a more natural way I mean for, for the faces they would to outline their eyes they would use um, when you burn your charcoal you know yes. what you get left in the fire and, and grind it to a very very fine um consistency and then mix it with either a very very tiny bit of oil 
and the brushes that they used for their faces were made of rabbit's fur, so it was very, very fine. So you could outline the eyes. Very, very similar to what the Egyptians used to do, you know, and the cheeks, they, they'd use sort of either the pinching of the cheeks, which a lot of people used, or they would use um, colourings, little bits of um, like natural colourings on their skin, you know, and their lips as well. So, I mean, women have always been vain, and they're no less vain than what, what we are now, you know. And as for the, the um, underwear, of course they were underwear, and I've always argued this point, that the Tudor women did wear undergarments. Any, any well-dressed English woman wears undergarments, I can tell you that now. Um, and there was no different then. And I think, in fact, I'm positive that... Um, undergarments of that period were found in Germany uh, a few years ago. I think they found remnants. Yeah, you've got to get on the internet and have a look because I put it all over my page. I was like, ta-da, Eureka, you know. Yes, my God, they did wear undergarments, you know. I was over the moon. But, I mean, you know, you've got to think about... When, when you think about, you know, when, when ladies were menstruating and things like that, of course they needed something there to, to keep everything in position. They weren't going to walk around unpadded, you know. So yes. obviously these things, you've got to think about it. Yeah, of course they wore you, panties that were probably like the tie side panties that we wear as bikini bottoms today, the same kind of thing, very easily made. You know, but um, they they wore something like that without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow. There you go. You're filling us with so much knowledge today. I love it. I love it. You, you know, without even knowing it, I think you were answering questions before I even asked them. So, oh, sorry, no, stop, make stop. I'll just rattle on. You know, it's, it's what can I say? It worked out perfectly because I thought, oh, great. Now I don't have to ask that one. She worked that one in, and we're 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 golden. So, Gina, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today to absolute pleasure seriously I want... now, now you've got me on on this thing i hope you're going to ring me very often so i can keep you updated on all that's going to happen but you must because you yeah. you have become now my link to england oh fantastic well you need to link up and get your bottom over here <laughs> in the summer holidays and bring your husband and your little one and let's do some um, exploring I would love that. I would absolutely love it. We're working on it. We're definitely working on it. Do it. Seriously. We, I'm not even joking. <laughs> Do it. Well, thank you again so much, Gina, for joining me today with these wonderful questions I came up for you. And oh, darling, you're welcome. Honestly, it's been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for, for getting in touch. It's been an absolute joy. And I, I just hope that, um, you know, you be you've got the information that you, that you needed for, the, for your all your your fans of the Tudor Dynasty. Keep up the great work and love your loads, love your page and just keep in touch. 